Hey guys, it's Emmy, and this is the Emmy Show. Um, so I'm back attempting to broadcast in my bathroom yet again. I hope you're having a delightful Sunday. Um, today I kept pretty busy. Um, I uh, I jumped into the arms of a stranger upside down. <laughs> I tried uh, tried my hand at trapeze today. That was my new for the week which um, I'm actually at um, 68 this week, so I'll have to do an episode soon to uh, update you guys on all the crazy shit I'm attempting in this weird little experiment. In other news, um, today is day two of uh, seven of some rather unpleasant forced sobriety. Um, no, I didn't get arrested or anything, in case you're wondering. Um, I'm just taking some medication, um, nothing serious, but yeah, some antibiotics that are requiring me to lay off the booze. Um, I've been told if I attempt drinking, um, vomiting will almost certainly ensue, among other unpleasant things like tasting metal in my mouth, which I'd like to avoid if I could. Um, but yeah, so, uh, how's it going? Um, well, last night I tried, this is night one, keep in mind, um, I tried dissolving, um, some anti-anxiety herbs like kava and, um, valerian and bacopa, which by the way, bacopa is great for, um, anyone out there that also enjoys the, uh, gift that keeps on giving in the form of PTSD. It's supposed to be really good for reconstructing memory and healing brain pathways and such, or so they say. So anyway, I tried dissolving that in tonic water, um, and that that was somewhat questionably helpful, I guess. Um, and then I also tried alcohol-free wine. Have you guys seen this? It's It seems kind of like a misnomer, because I'm like, that's the whole fun part of wine because it's kind of just grape juice in my in my mind like correct me if I'm wrong but I'm like wine without alcohol kind of seems like I just paid seven bucks for a bottle of grape juice but <laughs> I guess there's something to be said for um packaging and you know uh routine and ritual if you will so I tried that out and um it was less helpful but at least you know some kind of non-alcoholic liquid to drink and try to kid myself that it uh, was was intoxicating when it wasn't but um but yeah i'm trying to keep positive day two of seven so um almost a quarter about a quarter (laughs) of the way there um hand sanitizer uh just the scent of hand sanitizer is is making me salivate already so it is concerning (laughs) But that's what happens when you self-medicate, I guess, for years. Um, So on that vague mention of self-medication, which uh, leads to the the subject of PTSD, I guess we'll get started with today's actual topic. As I mentioned before, um, this month I'm doing podcast episodes um, revolving around domestic violence awareness because October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So yeah, fun stuff. Um, Maybe not fun stuff, but necessary stuff. Uh, So today I was going to talk about, uh, like I mentioned, um, just things to look out for in general, quote-unquote red flags, if you will, um, to avoid or to look out for to avoid, um, you know, or lessen your chances of becoming a, a victim to these psychopathic abusers. Um, and I also, I have a separate section for, um, if you're say like a hypothetical support system for someone who, you know, you worry maybe getting into a situation like this, some things for you to look out for as like warning signs that maybe you should pry a little more, ask some more questions or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I think domestic violence is a, you know, a problem that and a crime that affects uh, society at large, not just directly um, the victim. Um, I think, you know, it also affects obviously the family of the victim, coworkers, um, you know, even our economy. So it's very far reaching. So I think it's important to take a far reaching kind of um, holistic approach to stopping it. And I think we can all do our part. So, um, so yeah, anyway, I guess I'll just jump right in. So obviously it's not to say that if you see 
one or two of these that the individual is necessarily abusive or would become abusive. And it's not to say that if you don't see all of these that they're not potentially, you know, a predator. It's just kind of like a collection of things to look out for that I found in my own experience and from some good resources to kind of keep an eye out for. So the first one would be, um, first red flag in terms of, you know, for a potential victim to look out for. Um, somebody who has, say, like, no, takes no responsibility for their actions. Um, like it's always somebody else's fault. Um, whether they blame you or their family or whatever, just whatever they do wrong, it's always someone else's fault. Um, kind of hand in hand with that, um, they rarely, if ever, apologize, or if so, um, it, they act as if it's a magic pill that negates your feelings or your need for grieving. So say they do something horrible to you and they either don't apologize or if they do, they're like, I said, I'm sorry, what's wrong? Like, why are you upset still? <laughs> so just like kind of a, a complete lack of responsibility and also, um, or taking responsibility and, um, the seeming disconnect with normal human emotions. Uh, and at the same time, um, a double standard when it comes to if you say did something to upset them, however small it may be, um, suddenly it's completely different and you must profusely apologize and they still won't let it go ever. <laughs> and double standards is definitely a red flag. Um, we'll see in a variety of circumstances with these individuals that just keeps coming back up. Um, Another thing um, would be someone who subtly puts you down, um, and this is usually the way um, a lot of verbal abuse will start, um, kind of almost as like a quote-unquote joke, um, and what they're really doing is testing to see how you react and what they can get away with, um, and, and it's just a slippery slope into more obvious forms of verbal abuse. Um, and if you do react, say, and say like, hey, what the hell did you just say, you know? Um, it's it's a way for them to be able to brush it off and be like, oh, you're just being insecure or overly sensitive. But again, um, if you were to turn the tables and do something similar or lesser to them, then suddenly it is serious and it is a big deal. So another case of where you'll frequently see double standards uh, with these individuals. Another place where you'll see a lot of double standards um, with these kinds of individuals is um, when it comes to respect within a relationship and fidelity. Um, <laughs> definitely, the, you know, you might see wandering eyes and obvious flirting um, even in front of you, you know, endless cheating eventually. Um, but maybe in the beginning, just more this feeling that something's off, you know, you may have never felt like you were a jealous person and then suddenly you just can't knock the feeling that this person is, you know, going out on you, um, even if you can't prove it, you know. And, and I'd say, you know, again, another place for a double standard, if you so much as, you know, glance at another man, you know, they'll freak the fuck out, um, even though they may have been you know, moments before shamelessly flirting in front of you, um, with another woman. I actually, in my own experience, had, um, an individual I was dating where he could flirt in front of me and it just seemed like that was supposed to be the norm. Um, <laughs> but I, I, he once got furious at me because I made eye contact with a heavy, balding, middle-aged liquor sales clerk, uh, when I was actually paying the man, I made the mistake, apparently, of making eye contact, <laughs> and he was convinced that I wanted to have sex with this balding, overweight, middle-aged man. Um, so yeah, just, you know, stuff like that. Also, you may see a constant need for praise and validation. Um, or even on the other side of the coin, uh, quote unquote, you know, emotional support, um, just this constant need for attention. Um, I had an individual I actually only briefly saw for about a month. And what I noticed with him is when I first started seeing it was that he would send me 
you know, selfies a lot. And like at first I was like, oh, that's kind of cute, you know, whatever. But it was like almost all the time. And it wasn't just like he'd send a picture. He'd follow it up with a message like, oh, don't I look cute? Or like, don't I look this? And I'm just like, hot damn, man. Like you need a lot of, a lot of validation. And again, not to say that everyone who does that is an abuser. It's just another little, little thing to look out for and keep in the back of your head. Another thing you may notice is um, shallow empathy or a lack of an empathetic response to the pain of others or, you know, individuals outside of themselves. Um, and I, I think, you know, as far as like their own pain, they may notice that a lot. Like I know one of the individuals, again, that I was seeing, it's like he could see something horrible um, about, you know, like say a news story about something horrible happening to someone else and there was no empathy at all like no empathetic response at all but he he would be talking about you know something small maybe in the grand scheme of things that had happened to him and he'd be in tears but I, I never saw him cry for anyone else it was always you know himself and I think being you know if, if you are say an empathetic individual which I am you know seeing him in pain I wanted to comfort him but it, it was just troubling when I started kind of realizing like this is one-sided you know and he doesn't ever seem to feel empathy or sorrow for anyone outside of his own or you know compassion for any anyone's pain outside of his own um and on that note um a lot of times these individuals will dish about you know whatever pain or memory they may or may not have actually experienced to you um and it'll make you feel this need to save them or fix them which I mean, obviously isn't really, you know, we all, we all have our own issues and it's great to help each other, but it, when it's one-sided and someone's just constantly making you feel like you're the only one that can save them or fix them, it's a good time to take a step back and be like, why are you trying to make me feel like this? Because it can be used as a, a way of ensnaring a victim, you know, which is really messed up because it's basically using someone's empathy as a form of control, you know, and, and that's, that's pretty low, but also sadly very common. On that same note, um, sometimes this will come later, but in my own experience, um, like I said, along the same vein, um, they may use threats of suicide or um, threats to hurt themselves um, as, as a tool of manipulation. Um, I dated an individual who would do this on the reg, um, and it took me a very long time, unfortunately, because I was very young, to figure out that um, you know he was never serious. It was all about control. So if you didn't like something I was doing, or if I threatened to break up with them, suddenly he'd feel suicidal, you know? It's weird the way that happens, right? <laughs> so yeah, um, with these individuals, um, they, they may also make you feel the need to explain basic concepts like respect, you know, fidelity, like honesty um, to them as, as a grown adult, which I mean, we all, as adults, understand those concepts, but these individuals will play dumb until they're blue in the face um, and make you feel the need to explain um, and, and kind of almost as another avenue of like, you know, oh, you're fixing them, you're helping them understand, but no, they understand perfectly well. Um, they're just they're just playing dumb. So if you find yourself explaining basic human concepts, again, maybe take a step back and, and look at uh, what's really going on there. Um, and it may sometimes even seem like they enjoy upsetting you. Um, spoiler alert, they do. <laughs> um, I think for me, one of the biggest light bulb moments, if you will, in my experience, um, had to do with this because I, I just kept thinking like, oh my gosh, like, what is the point? Like, you know, they keep hurting me. Um, what do they want? Like, what are they getting out of this? And one day I finally realized, um, my pain is not a side effect of their goal. It is their goal. Like the whole point, you know, sometimes for some of these individuals, um, the whole point is hurting you. Um, sometimes, you know, some people, some of these abusers, like that's what they get off on is hurting you. It's not an accident. It's not a side effect. It's just the whole goal, you know, is upsetting you and getting a reaction. And you may ask, like, well, that's crazy. Like, why would they do that? It is crazy, but why is because creating your reaction, um, quote-unquote controlling your reaction, um, it's just another avenue of control. Like, and it's this whole 
you know, lust for dominance and control with these individuals that is kind of their MO for, for everything. And controlling your reactions is just another way to do that, to make themselves feel powerful in the most pathetic and ridiculous way possible. Kind of going along that same vein, um, when we look at, you know, the idea of control or someone who wants control above all else, which a lot of these individuals, most of these individuals do, these predators, um, you know, they want control, they want dominance, and, and one way that a lot of them achieve this is, you know, through sadism, which kind of goes hand in hand in a lot of ways with having control issues, if, if you will. And uh, I think most of you probably know what sadism is, but in case you don't, um, a sadist is somebody who enjoys inflicting pain on others. And some people automatically associate that with the sexual sadist. That's not always the case, although I would argue that most sadists, um, I don't, I don't think they they really care too much what area it's coming from. They might have a a fondness for one over the other, but in my experience, um, you know, I've been with several individuals who ended up, as it turns out, being sadists, and I say turned out because obviously most sadists don't admit to it because they know it sounds bad because it is bad, like wanting to hurt others is kind of frowned upon (laughs) in most areas of society. Um, So they'll usually hide it, but but yeah, I would say early signs of that um, would be just seeming to want to upset you, like unabashedly flirting in front of you, um, enjoying making you jealous, um, you know, because when we're talking about sadism again, it's not always sexual, it's not always physical, a lot of times it will start out emotional, or sometimes if you're someone who maybe, like myself, had already endured a lot of abuse in other more physical areas or sexual areas, um, they would try another avenue because maybe it's not getting the reaction they want. So maybe they'll try emotional sadism instead. Um, So yeah, this this might come in the early stages of constantly comparing you to other people, um, mentioning their ex constantly, um, just seeming to enjoy um, just upsetting you and making you sad, you know, in intricately cruel ways. Uh, they might seem to enjoy creating overly dramatic scenes, you know, orchestrating drama, Um, whether it's, you know, in a positive way in terms of, oh, it's a makeup scene where they run after you barefoot to apologize in the rain, and yes, this has happened to me, (laughs) or, you know, um, create this beautiful surprise, like a room full of balloons with presents after they did something horrible to you, you know, as a way to apologize, like creating these scenes that are almost out of a movie. Um, or, or the fight, fight scenes, quote unquote, where, you know, everything's just blown out of proportion. Um, but, but there's, there seems to be a lot of drama associated with these individuals. Um, because again, they like controlling your reactions, and the best way to do that is to make everything over the top, you know? They see themselves almost as puppeteers. Um, so yeah, if you notice in your relationship or your interaction with this individual that everything in the relationship and typically your life by association seems to oscillate from one extreme to the other, maybe take a step back and, and look at you know why that is, because I've noticed with interacting with these kinds of people, uh, monsters, (laughs) you know, things are usually never just okay or good. It's like they're amazing or they're fucking horrible and hellish. Um, And that's not really normal um, or healthy. And I think a lot of people outside of, you know, the relationship, they may see from the outside and be like, wow, like you know, she must just love drama, and it's like, no, um, she's just with someone who loves creating it, and she's just trying to survive, you know, but anyway, so getting back to, uh, to the point there, when we're talking about, um, sadism, um, control, uh, dominance, someone who is about those things, um, some more early signs you might see, one of the weird ones, um, that I've noticed, actually, 
repeatedly, um, and that's why I'm including it because it, it does seem odd, but I, I, I've seen this time and time again. A lot of these individuals, when I first started seeing them, like the first couple of dates, I noticed it, they seem to like to stare me down. <laughs> like you're just sitting there at a table, you know, having a date, and normal people will make eye contact, you know, but it's like they won't break it, and it almost feels like they're waiting for you to look away. And it just seems like it's some kind of a weird, quote unquote, power move for them. And it may look like they're trying to kind of figure you out because they are. <laughs> Um, and yeah, they just, they like making you uncomfortable. Also, um, I would watch out if someone, you know, kind of casually states like, oh, I have control issues, haha, or like, oh, I'm kind of OCD. Not to say that everyone that has either of those is a bad person or will end up being an abuser, but it's just something to look out for because frequently, um, you know, this kind of flippant mention of OCD or control issues can be, you know, maybe masking um the bigger more serious issue that they're a controlling maniac <laughs> um and as you continue to get to know them better um look out for you know if there's someone that has particular seemingly arbitrary demands like we all have our pet peeves but especially early on if you find them demanding you do things in a certain ritualistic way that just seems to make no sense and getting you know angry when you don't um I think that's something to look out for. So like, for instance, in my experience, um, one of the guys I dated, um, one of his weird pet peeves was like, he hated anyone using metal spatulas. Um, it was just this weird pet peeve. Like it didn't matter if it was my house and my pan, <laughs> he would just be like really unhappy and passive aggressive if there was a metal spatula being used. So that's completely arbitrary and obviously kind of insane to demand that anyone around you is is using a particular type of spatula but it, it also at first it can seem so small it might be something you kind of laugh off as quirky you know or oh he's just ocd but it does matter because you have to look at the bigger picture of like what kind of person is going to tell another person what kind of kitchenware to use in their own home like probably not someone who's very stable and probably someone who has honestly some deep-seated control issues you know and enough entitlement to think that they have a right to tell another person what to use in their own kitchen which are both pretty big warning signs you know on that note um another thing you might notice with these individuals is that they can't handle people having different views or opinions or preferences than them and when i say can't handle i mean um you know, they'll act as if their, you know, taste is the best taste, like their preference is the preference, and anyone who doesn't agree with them, they'll automatically take a very condescending, um, holier-than-thou attitude towards. Um, they can't have discussions, they have debates, and it's not even much of a debate because they will always be right, at least in their own mind, no matter what you say. They won't agree to disagree, um, it's their way, or the highway, um, sometimes quite literally. Um, so yeah, they generally have a very elitist, condescending attitude. Um, they'll typically act like you're always the problem, um, or really anyone else is always the problem but them. Um, you may also notice that they give you a lot of unsolicited advice, um, which will later become unsolicited demands about everything in your life, um, be it what you eat, what you drink, how much you eat or drink, um, how you do your hair, what you wear. Um, but yeah, early on, uh, look out for the unsolicited advice because again, that's how it starts before it gets to demands. Um, I had someone recently who I dated for, not even really dated, but I cyto-dated, I guess, for a month. Um, who's definitely one of these types of individuals and how it started with him and thankfully I, I noticed in time and I, I got the hell away from him before it progressed but one of the first things I noticed was on our first date he he ordered for me and he ordered exactly what he got and I didn't think much of it at first because I was like oh he wants to share you know his favorite food item at this place so I was like no sweat I mean I like that food item so no worries but then the next time we hung out and he wanted to make me breakfast, um, he didn't ask me how I liked my eggs. He made them exactly like his, which on a side note, I hated um, because I like my eggs basically burnt to a crisp. <laughs> and these are like 
you know, barely cooked, which was, was kind of disgusting. Um, but I was trying to be nice, and so I just ate it and kind of like, you know, tried to act appreciative. But I noticed that, you know, he didn't ask how I liked my eggs. He just did it exactly like his. He salted them for me, he buttered my bread, like everything he did, he made mine exactly like his without any any question of, of what I wanted or what I preferred. And so again, I kind of put it out of my mind because I thought, you know, he was nice enough to make me breakfast. Um, I'm not going to split hairs. I didn't want to be rude. Um, but then the third time um, we ate together, um, he ordered me breakfast. And again, he ordered me exactly the same thing as him without any, any question of what I wanted. Um, and when it got there, I kind of, you know, didn't eat all of the eggs. And when he looked annoyed and and kind of asked about it and I was like well I didn't want to be rude before but I actually prefer my eggs you know very well done I mean instead of being like I don't know what I think most normal people would do of like oh I'm sorry I should have asked he instead looked annoyed and actually got angry and was just like oh well that's weird you know they're much better this way and and that was kind of the point where I was like okay this is this kind of is something now because um, that's not a normal response to get angry because someone doesn't prefer their eggs the same way as you. And then looking back on the series of meals we'd had together, I was like, oh crap, I guess maybe there was something to that. So again, like you don't want to assume off one little thing, but it's just something to kind of keep in mind and to keep an eye on. You know, if you're seeing a, a, a trend or a pattern of this, there might be something deeper going on. So yeah, most of these individuals will be, um, extremely entitled, um, very elitist and extremely narcissistic. Um, this will lead to uh, double standards in pretty much er every area of, of life and uh, your hypothetical relationship, you know, with them. Um, they'll be extremely misogynistic, um, which in my experience, a lot of them will hide it behind these not all of them, but the last couple I personally dated kind of hid their misogyny because like they would try to act like they were very progressive and all about like women's rights. And then when you actually sat down and started looking at what they were showing you, you know, they're massive sexist, um, you know, and yeah, just they and I think a lot of these types of individuals just have a, a deep seated view of women, especially people, but especially women as objects. So they tend to objectify um, which will, you know, kind of show itself in, in the long run, you know, in cheating and lies, um, and, and a lot of other really unpleasant, unpleasant things. But yeah, one of the, the big things with individuals like this is, um, they don't see people, they see, you know, um, pawns. Uh, they, they see in people as things and things that they can use and control. It's, it's pretty twisted, but that's their, their view of things and their view of people. They're basically one in the same. Um, so again, some early symptoms you might want to look out for um, as far as like, you know, some of these side effects like lies and things like that. Um, if they're very evasive or vague or you, you catch them in small lies, I would say, you know, look out for that because there might, there might be a reason. Um, and that might be a sign of something bigger, you know, because again, it, from their point of view, if they're, they're viewing people as objects, not humans, then obviously they're not going to have any respect for anybody other than themselves. And when you don't respect someone, then of course, you know, you're, you're going to lie to them. So lies are definitely very common. Um, because they, they usually have very little emotional depth um, and very little understanding of complex human emotion or humanity in general, um, I've noticed that a lot of them will rely on trite phrases and almost sales pitchy um, jargon when they're speaking to you or trying to convince you of something. Um, so that's that's a kind of a weird one that I've I've definitely uh, noticed along the same line. I've noticed a lot of these types of individuals will um, kind of relate movies or TV series to real life and almost seem to draw life advice off television as if they think that there is no difference. Um, which again, I think just goes back to this kind of misunderstanding or lack of 
depth and ability to really understand uh, real human emotion and so they they tend to copy what they see in in the media and see it as no different because they're, they're just not looking very deeply because they don't really feel things the same way that normal people do so yeah when we're talking about um shallow emotions and the need for control early on um some of the things you may notice um checking up with you all the time like everyone likes to get texts but with an individual like this it'll be like non-stop and very early on um, they're texting you all the time asking what you're doing like they always want to know what's going on with you you know and also hand in hand with that um they'll be jealous early on which can seem flattering at first like oh they're jealous for me but you know it's not really normal like you know maybe when you're first starting to see someone and you like them a lot like maybe you feel some kind of like hope that they're not seeing someone else but it's it's not really normal to be like super possessive really early on so that's that's kind of something to look out for and um on the note of seeing it as a compliment you know unfortunately um they're not jealous because they like you or because they care about you they're jealous because they see you as an object that they own um and they don't want to be taken away from them because they think they own you um so that's just something to kind of keep an eye on kind of keep in mind um and yeah also i'd like to just say on that note um jealousy doesn't equal um fidelity um i guess what i mean by that is just because they're acting psychotically jealous you know about you or for you quote unquote um that doesn't equate to them being faithful or abiding by the same rules they set out for you because it's double standards again they're a thing here you know with with these kinds of of uh of men so yeah um because they don't really have deep emotions um and they do want to control you um typically they will rush into things quickly like really quickly um be it a relationship like making it official marriage or engagement maybe even having children um maybe having pet names for each other inside jokes like it, it just it's it'll seem like crazy fast and not that good things can't happen fast it's just if it's happening really fast like they seem to be rushing these things before you've even really thought about them then maybe just keep an eye on it like take a step back and be like maybe just keep it in the back of your head just something to to look out for because they may have ulterior motives you know and yeah, I would say even though, you know, a lot of the violence is typically not seen typically till later on when they've established more control and there's less of a chance of, um, you know, the target leaving, um, some things early on to look out for that would kind of hint at this would be, you know, a quick temper, um, I would say also sometimes uh, even marks on the walls. Um, I actually recently, one of the individuals uh, I mentioned earlier, um, I noticed within our first few dates that um, there was a hole that had been patched in his wall um, before I saw any kind of anger or violent outburst from him. I just saw a hole in his wall that had obviously been patched and it was the shape of a fist and the size of a fist and it was right beside you know the bed in, in the bedroom and um so i thought that was was pretty odd and when i mentioned it he was really evasive about it and then you know said he thought a picture had fallen which was obviously bullshit um because there was a ledge right under it and there's no way a picture could even be hung from there um so yeah just good to keep an eye out on little things like that not to say that it'll always be there but it definitely is a little more obvious when it is <laughs> uh and i had someone earlier um, several years, several years ago now that I dated who, um, when I'd visited his childhood home, there were holes in the wall that had been patched and his, his car had a dent in it and it was all from, you know, previous anger outbursts. And, you know, I ended up seeing that unfortunately firsthand that, uh, nothing had changed <laughs> in terms of his, um, behavior or, uh, you know, tendencies, if you will. So yeah, that's just something else to kind of keep an, out, an eye out for. Another thing I would say um, is when it comes to, you know, sex, 
um, if, if you find an individual who um, really early on is, you know, insisting on, you know, calling you demeaning names or um, pushing your boundaries, that's like, that's a really big red flag. Um, I mean, we all have our different, you know, preferences, but um, is someone who's pushing your boundaries or not asking your permission before they're, you know, pushing the envelope, especially early on? Um, it's not acceptable and it can be a warning sign of something much bigger because it, it shows a lack of respect for you and an entitlement um, and viewing you as some someone or something that they own or that they can do with as they like, which which is obviously a problem and, and definitely a, a really bad sign, especially with that early on. I'm actually going to do um, kind of vaguely related to this on a on a little side note, I am going to do an episode on um, domestic violence um, within the BDSM community because I think that's something that is not talked about and gets misconstrued a lot and I think it's important to talk about. Um, so yeah, that's just side note, um, something I'll, I'll be talking about later this month. So that would be my short list <laughs> of things to look out for um, in terms of for yourself um, when you're starting to see someone new um, of just maybe warning signs that need to be looked at a little closer. So I'd also like to briefly uh, mention a few warning signs um, or things to look out for if you are say, um, the hypothetical support system of someone. So say if your daughter, your sister, your, your niece, your friend, your coworker, whatever, um, has recently started seeing someone, these are some things you might want to look out for. Um, if, if, and it maybe even if not, uh, in the case of, if you do fear, they may be with a, a negative individual, or even if you don't think they are just general things to keep an eye out for. Again, not that one of these means for sure they're in a bad situation. It's just something to keep an eye on. Um, so yeah, if you notice that the your friend, daughter, etc., the individual, um, if you notice that they've started isolating themselves more and kind of retreating, contacting you less, although to some extent, you know, this can be natural in the beginning of a new relationship because you're over over head over heels whatever for them and maybe all your time's taken up but um but it can also be something to keep an eye on if if it's going to an extreme you know especially if it continues um the isolation um kind of as a side note i'd like to say that um posting on social media does not automatically um equate to what's actually happening so i think social media and, I, and i'd love to do an episode strictly on this it's really added another dimension to domestic violence and ways that predators can cover up their abuse through social media and providing this false sense of okay to the world. So maybe, you know, if your loved one is isolating but they're still posting, you know, that's great, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're okay. It's not a substitute for actually contacting you because I've definitely seen plenty of cases and I've myself been in them where you know, maybe they're posting online about how great everything is and their life's living hell. So yeah, just it's important to realize that the social media doesn't equate to real life um, or what may be actually going on. Um, secondly, if you notice that their partner is always checking in, like if you do hang out with them for like say a couple of hours, you're shopping, whatever, their boyfriend or whatever, this is constantly checking in. Um, and it, it seems like your daughter, friend, whatever, is hesitant or maybe even scared or uncomfortable having a few hours or a day away from her significant other or his significant other. Um, you know, that can be a warning sign. Um, and I think too often that's shrugged away and again kind of put off on the potential victim um, with the term, you know, codependency, which I, I do really hate that term because I don't, I don't think it's it's really um true to, to what's actually happening um too many times when we see uh say like a woman who's checking in with her spouse constantly we say oh they're just really codependent and that that implies just just by the the name codependent 
that it's an equal process, an equal issue of just being so in need of each other that you can't be away. And, and while I'm not saying that never happens, I would say it rarely, if ever, is the case. Um, I think more often than not, uh, what's actually happening is there is a victim and a predator, and a predator that has created a situation where the victim um, is either forced or feels the need to check in in order to avoid consequences um, for not checking in. So you have a controlling, I'll just say in this case, man and a woman who's become a victim of domestic violence, um, coercive abuse, um, and conditioning. So that's just, yeah, something to keep in mind. But yeah, if you, if you find that, you know, you're friend whatever is constantly checking in um maybe just take a step back keep keep an eye on it because nine times out of ten it's probably less so that she's wanting to talk to him all the time and can't be away and more so that there's something deeper going on there that needs to be needs to be looked at thirdly um if your friend's daughter whatever um seems like they are you know, more jealous or worried about infidelity than is normal for them, um, or that they just can't seem to trust their significant other, you know, especially if you have never known them to be a jealous person before. Um, that's an important thing to keep an eye on because, again, too, no too, too often, on a side note, um, you know, again, th this is misplaced on the victim as like, oh wow, she's just being jealous because she thinks such and such is going on when it's not. Um, well, you know, maybe that is the case in some sometimes, but I think more often, um, you know, this idea of jealousy is, is displaced on the victim when what's actually been happening is, you know, lengthy bouts of disrespect from the perpetrator to the victim and emotional, you know, emotionally sadistic tactics, like I mentioned earlier, like flirting in front of them, you know, cheating behind their back, etc. Um, so maybe, maybe just think, you know, if, if you see someone who seems really jealous all of a sudden, who's never been a jealous person, maybe take a step back and just consider that there might be something deeper going on, you know, that maybe you should pry a little or just keep an eye on because it, it, it might not be them that's really the jealous person. They might just be reacting like a normal person to cyclical disrespect and infidelity that they may or may not feel comfortable, you know, telling you about yet. Um, fourth, I would say if you notice, um, you know, drastic changes in your friend, daughter, whatever, um, her appearance, um, whether it's like drastic weight loss, um, or, you know, changes in her diet, um, or changes, like drastic changes in her appearance, like she's changed her hair, got a tan, lost 40 pounds. I mean, sometimes, you know, being with someone we're really excited about can encourage us to get healthy and do good things for ourselves, and that's great. But if you're noticing especially unhealthy changes or things that seem out of character, it may be something to keep an eye on. Just because, um, you know, like I said earlier, if we're talking about a controlling predator, um, you know, they may have already begun grooming them um, in terms of telling them what to wear, telling them how to do their hair, what to eat, etc. So, and also when, you know, when we're under stress as humans, uh, some people react by eating a lot more some by eating a lot less. So those can also be not necessarily, you know, for sure tells of, you know, the beginnings of abuse, but it can definitely be a symptom uh, and a possibility. Um, I'd also say if you, if you find that they're constantly, you know, your friend, whatever, seems to constantly be having health issues or going to doctors or clinics, um, especially if they're not real specific on what's going on and it's after they've gotten in a new relationship. That's something to also kind of look out for because stress can do crazy things um, to the body for sure, you know. In my experience, at one point, in one of my worst, um, you know, abusive relationships, um, it got to the point where I was so stressed out and under such pressure day in and day out that I actually broke out in hives, <laughs> um, you know, just from that situation. 
Um, I had my own cartilage attack itself and as an autoimmune reaction to stress because it was so severe um, the abuse and the, the stress of it of it all. Um, and, and believe it or not, that is not an uncommon uh, reaction to you know domestic violence, um, autoimmune reactions, and even conditions um, arising from especially continued domestic abuse situations are, are, are actually quite common and can be very serious. Um, I was fortunate that mine was only temporary, um, but I've actually heard of women developing like lupus, like all kinds of crazy you know autoimmune conditions just from living under, you know, the, the day in and day out abuse and, and mental um, and physical and emotional turmoil of, of, of living with a monster. Along that same kind of idea, you know, um, when we're talking about, you know, sexual abuse, which, um, you know, sometimes you'll have straight up physical abuse, right? Um, that's harder to cover up. Although, you know, sometimes it still happens. Um, but a lot of times earlier on in the relationship, um, you know, there might be, maybe as a segue into physical abuse, you know, there may be infrequently, as I would say, um, you know, sexual abuse as well. And and if there's, and there, you know, frequently is health complications or injuries associated with that, obviously you're, as an outsider to the situation, you're not going to see it. And frankly, um, it's very unlikely that the victim is going to tell anyone because of the personal nature and maybe feeling humiliated um, and maybe for fear of shame or whatever, um, especially when, you know, perhaps they're already married to their abuser, you know? Um, so, so yeah, there may be a lot going on that you, that you don't necessarily know about and that you won't necessarily know about, but what you might see is those frequent doctor visits, you know, or maybe some, you know, just they, they looking worn down, maybe some autoimmune reactions. So those are all, you know, maybe a little more obvious, uh, signs, but just something to look out for. And again, not to say that someone couldn't have health issues and not be in an abusive relationship. It's just another sign to keep an eye out for. Another thing I would say to keep an eye out for is if your friend, a relative, whatever, suddenly has like a total tailspin, um, 180, you know, on just radical behavior changes or radical view changes. Um, because while we all have moments of epiphany, um, frequently, you know, our views change over time. And if someone just all of a sudden does an about turn, um, after a new relationship, you know, it might be something to keep an eye, an eye on because it, it may be a sign that, um, you know, they're being groomed, um, by an abuser to basically just give in to the abuser's point of view and change their own. So just, again, not always a definite, but just something to keep an eye on. Another thing I'd say is if you find your friend or relative is constantly talking about their relationship, um, whether it's good or bad, um, it's just like, okay, like in the beginning of a relationship, I get, you know, you're excited maybe, and so you're talking about them a lot. Um, and even, you know, in a marriage, they're, you know, your partner's a big part of your life. So it's normal to some extent, you know, to talk about them, of course. But if you find that your daughter, friend, relative, whatever, seems like they can't talk about anything else besides either how bad or how good their relationship is or their significant other is, maybe look a little closer because um, there might be a reason for that. Um, for one, maybe they're living in a constant state of crisis that's created by their significant other, and so it is all they can think about because their whole world is basically, um, you know, hinging on this abuser's every move, um, because it has to, because it's, you know, a state of survival. Secondly, uh, I've noticed a lot of times when a victim is trying to maybe begin to extricate themselves from uh, I think a situation they may know in their gut is not a good one, whether they understand it fully yet or not. Um, I think some of the first signs of that is that they'll talk about it a lot, and I think what they're subconsciously looking for is someone to tell them that they deserve better. Um, and sometimes that can come out by the victim talking about how great their partner is because it's almost like they're trying to reassure themselves that everything's fine. Um, or sometimes it can come out them talking about how bad it is because maybe they're secretly somewhere subconsciously hoping you'll second it. Um, and I found, because I've been on both sides of this coin, um, I've been the one talking about it 
ad nauseum um, and I've been the one hearing about it, you know, also ad nauseum. But I think the best thing you can do is just listen um, and just, I would say don't automatically parrot if they're just talking about how great they are, just listen. I mean, if they're talking about how bad they are, I would say the best thing you can do, and I've said this before, but it's true, so I'm going to say it again. The best thing you can do is listen and tell them you deserve better. Um, And just just keep telling them that and keep listening. Um, Even if they leave and then they come back to the the abuser, um, don't cut off communication. Um, I know it can be frustrating. Um... But let them keep talking, you know, even if at first it's, oh, they're so great, I was wrong. Um, and then it's, oh my gosh, they're horrible, this is what they did. Regardless, just listen and just remind them that they deserve better um, and that you're there for them. Because, um, like I said before, the average statistic for how many times a woman has to leave their abuser um, before she finally leaves is seven times, you know. Um, but if you can be that friend or that relative, you know, that sticks by them through it all, you can really increase the likelihood that they actually leave for good. And the way I like to look at it is every time they leave, um, it's not wasted, you know, because it's, it's little notches, little steps in the right direction, because every time they leave, it gets easier, you know, and every time they leave, they get stronger. And eventually, you know, if they have enough support, you know, they're going to leave for good. So be that person to be there for them, you know, if you can. It takes effort and it takes time and it can be tiring. Um, and I, again, I've been on both sides, but um, yeah, just just listen and tell them they deserve better. But yeah, so if, if constantly talking about the partner, whether it's good or bad, something to look out for. Um, so the last one I was going to mention is if you notice your friend or relative has a change in self-talk or a way that they talk about themselves um, in a negative direction. Um, or either doing a lot of self-deprecating humor. That's something to keep an eye on because um, frequently, you know, after the, you know, what they commonly refer to as love bombing in the beginning of a, of a relationship, um, an abuser will, uh, from there, pretty much just start um, completely demolishing a victim's self-esteem. So what you'll see from an outsider's point of view um, in that process is that once it's sort of started to, to work and sink in, um, it'll at least temporarily change the target's worldview and also their view of themselves. And as an outsider, you'll see that probably in not only maybe their mood and whether they're depressed or not, but also in the way that they refer to themselves and how they hold themselves. So that's something, you know, important to keep an eye on if they're constantly, you know, referring to themselves with negative words or being like, oh, I'm so stupid or, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about or, you know, apologizing a lot. Um, that's, that's something else to keep an eye on because that can be really telling, you know, that maybe they're not in, in a great spot. So yeah, that is all of my ramblings for today. (laughs) I hope you guys got something good out of that. Um, But yeah, like I said, um, I'm going to have a few more of these coming up um, before the end of the month. Might even try to think of something, something fun and creative for Halloween, I don't know. But but yeah, I hope you have a great week and uh, keep listening and have a great week.